through. Bingo! You are now listening to the facts. Welcome back to Straight Facts, sports show that educates and entertains. I'm Jules Schmitz, accompanied by James Jackson, Jake Galley, and Crunch Numbers in the back. We got Stat Matt. This past week in sports, the U.S. men's basketball team was eliminated from the FIBA World Cup by France, ending their 58-game win streak with a, NBA players. Yeah, what a, what a tragedy that is. What a tra- yeah, I'm sure you're you know happy exactly about it. exactly how I feel about that. Yeah, well, Celtics players. The Boston moving. Celtics couldn't get it done. Remember that. <laughs> the U.S. Open came to a conclusion this past week with Bianca Andreska defeating Serena Williams on the women's side and Rafael Nadal winning his 19th total major title on the men's side. Dominant. Nice. Dominant. Julio Jones and the Falcons agreed to a three-year, $66 million contract extension to make him the highest-paid receiver in the NFL. It's about damn time, right, for Julio? Mm, like, it's I getting up there, man. It's like 22-something a year. Like He should have been getting this money. Little, I mean, he probably deserves it, but it's a little scary money. All right. Tyreek Hill and the Chiefs agreed to a three-year, $54 million contract extension. Shame to see him get hurt on week one. Yeah, I mean, right at, literally right after getting the bag, but... I don't know. We, we I don't know. have a ton of sympathy for that guy. That's true. Um, That's but, true. Yeah. That's neither here nor there. The Dodgers became the first team in the MLB this season to clinch a playoff berth. It's their seventh consecutive NL West title. Now, I remember a couple episodes ago, you you swore the Astros are going on to win the World Series. Does this make you, like, you know, go backtrack on that take anymore? No. They're not even going to be facing the Dodgers probably when they get there. They probably will, man. I don't uh, see I, an NL team the Dodgers. They should, but they won't. Dodgers get there is the winning. Right. Here's a fact straight at you. Going back to last season's Super Bowl, the Patriots have allowed six points in their last eight quarters defensively. Does the Patriots' juggernaut offense take away the credit that their defense deserves? Well, before we before we get into that, um, I'm sure, you know, if you don't live under a rock that you've heard um, that the Patriots traded for, or I'm sorry, picked up Antonio Brown uh, in free agency and then... Um, you know, uh, a whole case, a sexual assault case from Antonio Brown came out. Um, we're going to stick to our brand, you know, as a fact-based show. We don't want to do a whole bunch of speculating. We don't want to do any speculating. So because of that, we're going to refrain from commenting on AB's case uh, until, you know, everything comes out, until it's further resolved. Um, you know, just, just in terms of speculation, don't want to talk about it. Right, yeah, and, and if he does rejoin the team, we will then... Talk about it at that time, but I think that what really deserves talking about is the dominant performance uh, that the Patriots put out in Week 1 against the Steelers, thumping them 33-2-3. It was a classic, classic Brady performance, Brady and Belichick performance, I should say. Yeah, really really right down to the T from the standpoint of Brady not getting hit. I think he only got sacked once or twice uh, in the game from spreading the ball around, um, from getting Josh Gordon back involved in the offense. Um, Dare I say it was 07 Patriots-esque. Like, this offense is 07 Patriots-esque. And they they look really dangerous, and they put that on full display in Week 1, trouncing the Steelers. Right, and and that defense. I mean, as as we led in with, that defense so dominant. When you look back all of the Super Bowl years that the Patriots made their run. The offense is a given. Right. But really, it depends on the defense. We talked about against the Rams, obviously, dominating them, holding them uh, to three points. In 2016, they allowed the fewest points in the entire NFL. Like, that's really surprising. I think that's something that right. goes it, really unnoticed and untalked about. 
Right, because the Patriots, if the Patriots are one of those defenses where when it's bad, it's bad, right? And when it's bad, it's very noticeably bad to the standpoint that you have to talk about it and make notice about it. But when they're good, their offense is, you know, always the, the talking point. So it, like, kind of goes under the radar when their defense is good. They don't get enough attention. Right, and even if you keep going back to 2014, you remember, everyone remembers the great play Malcolm Butler made at the goal line to win them that game, and their defense as a whole was good you go back even further to 04 when they played the Colts held them to three points I mean you you can keep going down the list here and you're going to find a common theme um I I think that they have the pieces to get it done this year um just as is I think they did a really good job of containing Ben Roethlisberger as opposed to trying get getting at him they were containing him very well well they're they're missing um their their leading tackler from last year Kyle Van Noy and that leaves a huge hole in their offense they got Dante Hightower back which they really like um but I think you hit it right on the nose Jewel is pass rush and and getting sacks and getting to the quarterback has never been something of a strong suit of the Patriots defense and when you have such a mind like Bill Belichick he knows that we have a quarterback like Ben Roethlisberger who's not a scrambling quarterback doesn't he's not going to take off and run but he's great at extending plays and getting outside of the pocket and creating some extra seconds so if you can keep him inside of that pocket and make him throw the ball decisively uh you might have some success not make your defense uh, have to cover for you know multiple seconds too. side note ben has been acquiring mass like i've never seen yeah he big ball now. there was a picture of him literally he's a husky big, ball yeah, <laughs> big ben roethlisberger he now. looks like his neck and like face are just what like, i think is hilarious like, is he's got one of those faces now that when he puts his helmet his cheeks like smushed to the front like it, it looks like a fish I mean, he hilarious. really is big ben now yeah and, then they, and they just traded um they just traded Josh dobbs away so that i mean they still have mason rudolph but they just traded uh one of their backup quarterbacks away um, so, you know, what? they don't have much depth behind Ben Roethlisberger. It's kind of like all in on him. Yeah, he looks like he got, like, attacked by some bees or something. Um, <laughs> the face. But, right, Pitts- Pittsburgh looked abysmal, but I don't expect that to continue. I think they're too good of a coach team, especially with a veteran quarterback, to have that be the script for them going forward. I mean, yes. I, yes and no. Um, I believe that it, it very well could continue um, because of, you know, the trend that you know, the, the way they use, uh, people have, you know, been able to, to put a game plan on James Conner now, uh, been able to put a game plan on Juju Smith-Schuster now, uh, and they don't really have that Antonio Brown-like player, that a home run hitting explosive player um, that is, you know, pinpointed on their offense, you know, to really take the top off and take some pressure away from Ben, James Conner, and Juju. Like, now it's all focal points are around them. Yeah, they're definitely no longer, like, the super-powered offense, but I still think they have potential to be a good offense. We'll see. Mike Tomlin... I mean, if any indication by this past week's events is that Mike Tomlin is one of the best locker room coaches I've seen to be able to handle all the stuff that's been coming out about Antonio Brown. But um, looking forward now to some of the division mates of the Patriots, I, I think that the Bills had a pretty good game against the Jets, who I don't like, I, I guess they're just doomed to mediocrity until. Brady and Belichick retired we kind of talked about this right last week but like the game if you watched it was god awful the Jets were leading for the majority of it like 16 to 3 and by then, default almost like the Jets were like winning by default <laughs> Josh Allen is probably one of the most hilariously like up and down quarterbacks to watch um because I, he, he could just take off and run and dive into four defenders he could launch a 40 50 yard bomb or he could throw it directly to the defender with no one else in the area um jets had a plus four turnover advantage and managed to lose that game just hideous football so 
Um, we'll, we'll get to the and other they, member of the... And they didn't really unleash Le'Veon Bell like I hoped that they would. No, but, but the Bills have a good defense. I'll give that to them. Is that I, I expected them to at least be able to contain or, or contest some of the stuff. What, what popped out to me about that game... I think he gained 60 yards on 17 carries or something like something, that. It wasn't nothing bad. crazy. It wasn't anything kind of spectacular. Kind of receiving TV. You're right. I don't think it was nothing like piss poor, but it was nothing spectacular. Nothing Le'Veon-esque anywhere about it. So what popped to me about that game, Jamison Crowder had 17 targets. Threw the ball at Jamison Crowder 17 times. Who's going to throw the ball to? At, well, they Robbie, Robbie Anderson, Robbie Anderson there. Yeah. Um, they will not have Quincy Inunua, who's probably going to have another season-ending neck injury, which is terrible to hear. Uh, but as of today, they traded for Demarius Thomas, who I'm sure doesn't want to be there. Uh, probably have rather just retired, but right. he's stuck there now. Crowder's probably still going to get a ton of targets, and this is going to be a it's going to be a um, a telling year for Sam Darnold. Well, it will be because now he has what, whether you think the Jets' receiving core is up, you know, is elite or not. He has legitimate targets to throw to. We he has a speedster in Jamison Crowder. He has a proven vet in Demarius Thomas, and he has probably the most uh, versatile back in the NFL now in Le'Veon Bell, who on most teams is probably a number two wide receiver. So Sam Darnold has, like you said, it's a make-or-break year for him. Like, he has the legit weapons around him to really go and get it done, and we'll see what he's able to do. And good for him is, you know, at least five more, or right, at least four more, three more times this year, he's going to be playing bad teams. Yep. Jake, how'd your uh, hometown Eagles do? Pretty well. I didn't think that uh, it was going to go that way. Well, you know what? Oh, they I, were, I thought they were going to win the game, the but I didn't first, think they were going to dominate the second half. Say it with me. They're in the first they were half, shaky they were as hell, Shaky, man. baby. Yeah, yeah, you were yeah. sweating. Matt was sweating. The whole city of Philadelphia was sweating in the first half. Yeah, it was pretty ugly, but, I mean, I've seen that before from them. I, I'll always remember Alan Hearns annihilating the Eagles in the first half of, I guess it was the 2014 or 15 season. 14. Um it was yeah, I remember that distinctly. It was the first game I watched away from home, first Eagles game in college, and uh, they were getting destroyed in the first half. They came back. The Eagles are a second-half team. They're well-coached under Doug Peterson. They're and, well coached, and I think the Eagles a little bit were reading reading the headlines and thinking there's you know we have a lot of upside. The Redskins don't have a lot of upside. I think they were thinking all we need to do is you know tires tire cleats up you know, buckle our chin straps and go out there and we're gonna win. Forgetting that there's an actual football team on the other side of the I ball. I think does Sean Jackson look. Still in his prime. I think he looked very good. His route running looked good. Catching looked good. He's a threat on the field to the defense. And I read up a stat here. He's the third oldest player in NFL history to have multiple 50-yard touchdowns passes in a game. Yeah. Yeah. He's not well, there, he, dude. He's done great. It's, for a 31-year-old, the speed is there. Like, 32. They, they're 32. Yeah. Even more crazy. Like, they're saying, like, there's there's not many people still who could go toe-to-toe. I saw something out there. His top speed is, like, the same as it was, like, last year, two years ago. Um, so he's definitely not regressing. And if you look at last year, the Eagles struggled uh, throwing the ball deep. There's no doubt about that. The Eagles definitely struggled. Deshaun breaks them out of that slump. Yeah, I mean, speaking of Deshaun, in 2018, the Eagles only had two 50-plus yard touchdowns, and they had two in the first game of 2019. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he definitely unlocks a, def- a different aspect of this Eagles offense where even if he's not the guy who's hurting you every week— He's someone that you have to be accountable for, and that's going to open up lanes for Ertz. It's going to open up lanes for Alshon, for the running game, Goddard. The entire offense is going to benefit from that speed threat. And what's awesome about Deshaun Jackson, God, I miss him, but, you know, what's awesome about Deshaun Jackson is he's not just a run-up-and-down-the-field, you know, kind of guy. Like, he does run 
other routes. Uh, I saw something where um, he does run the go route more than any route you know, that he runs, but he's not targeted on the go route more than any other route. He's targeted, uh, I believe, on out routes, on corners, and on in routes, which is very surprising, just as much as he is on go routes. And we saw the first two catches of his were out routes. They weren't deep down the field. They were 8 to 10 yard outs. Like, he runs a, a combination of routes that make you have to legitimately know where Deshaun Jackson is on the field. Yeah, and those are the ones that really set up the deep bomb because if you're playing off of him and then he's stopping short every time, you're eventually going to have to come up it a little bit closer and play him a little bit harder, and that's when he runs right by And then you. it's me, me, pum, like he's he's right by a cloud of dust. Yeah, and in that, I mean, we kind of touched on it a little bit, but I want to circle back to the Eagles' defense because I personally have a ton of problems with Jim Schwartz. I will give him credit for last year because he did a lot with a ragtag group, um, a really injured group, but I think that if the Eagles had lost the Super Bowl, he would have been fired. I think that he easily could have been fired after the Tennessee loss, after the Carolina loss for the Eagles last year, both of them, the defense collapsing late. Um, and he plays this soft brand of coverage. Where well, like, well, what are you, what are you gonna do, Jake? What are you gonna do? You don't have. I want the, you to blitz. You don't have at least a little bit. Okay, if you blitz and and they're able to, that's getting pressure on the quarterback would help your your secondary wouldn't have to cover as long. But they're playing that soft cushion because they, he doesn't have great one on one corners. Like you play, you play that press coverage one on one corners, and guess what? There's a bunch of deep bombs that are going over your head, and I think you guys saw that in the first couple of weeks of last year. I mean, yeah, it's a little bit more of a risky style of play when you're trying to blitz and put pressure which is why his mo is we're just going to sit back in this soft coverage and if we get any sort of pressure then you're going to struggle but if you have a capable quarterback back there which i didn't think case keenum was but he ended up having 380 yards of passing so clearly he was able to dissect this eagles defense because he's not getting any pressure he doesn't have to make any quick decisions and the quick decisions are where you separate the good from the bad yeah i didn't expect the redskins to really open up as strong as they did with scoring 20 i don't think any, i don't think anybody did i was actually uh, impressed i don't but. think anybody did like i think that it and watching it on tv the entire Lincoln Financial Field looked like just... I was down in Xfinity, and it actually made it that much worse for all the Eagles fans down yeah. there. So it's like, I can't believe this is happening it's to like, us. It's, it's, well, it's like, you know, when you're when you're just sitting around with friends and one of them just right. leans over and smacks you. Like, mm-hmm. it's just like, what the, what the hell was that? And it takes you a couple seconds to, like, really register what the hell just happened to you. I hope that you. doesn't happen to you often. Let's not comment on <laughs> that. Uh, but no, going back to the Eagles defense, I mean, they had the, first, the fourth worst defensive DVOA in week one. Only behind, you hear this? Only behind the Giants... The Dolphins and Jacksonville, which actually surprised me. Right, so that makes you feel a little bit better. It makes you feel a little bit better. There's another good defense. Right, Jacksonville's going up against Mahomes and not Keenum. You're you're going up against Case Keenum. Um, Who, speaking of Case Keenum, we already mentioned it through for a career high 380 yards and had a 117.2 passer rating, the eighth highest of Keenum's career with a very down receiving core. I mean, first first series of the game, you have old man, you have old head Vernon Davis jumping over two people, breaking tackles. Well, that's the thing is that the Vernon Vernon Davis touchdown was such a fluke. Sendejo, Andrew Sendejo, who's new to the team, totally whiffed on a tackle. Um, How and do you allow Vernon Davis to get up and over you? Ready? I, you probably couldn't put a stack of cards in between his vertical, yet he's leaping do over you people. Know, this might surprise you. Vernon Davis has the sixth most touchdowns for, of all tight ends ever. Vernon Davis. Um, that's not that shocking. Yeah, That's not shocking. He's I don't know. It surprised me a little bit because he has bad. been a journeyman. But... Um, I don't know. Wentz looked good. That, that's the one thing that I really liked out of the game. Three touchdowns, 12 of 13 on third down. Um, 
And then obviously we already talked about the deep balls, which people have criticized him about for the lack thereof. So it was good right. to see. I mean, and but rightfully so, man. Last year in 2018, on passes of 20 plus yards or more, he only had a passer rating of 64.3. Matt, of course, Stat Matt puts the the lovely note right under there that it's hard to throw a deep pass with a broken back. Whatever. <laughs> like he still had a terrible passer rating uh, of passes of 20 yards or more. Um, and then in 2019, granted only one week, but he only threw two passes of 20 yards or more through the air. And what happened? Both 50-yard touchdown bombs. Right, and when you look at his that, last... That, to me, is Deshaun Jackson, the Deshaun J- Jackson effect. Right, right of course. That, that is the deep threat effect. I mean, even if it's, you know, another guy who maybe isn't... I think Deshaun Jackson's premium in terms of deep threat. Right, but it's one thing to just be fast and outrun people, but Jewel spoke to it earlier, the route running that J- Deshaun Jackson has, the footwork that he has, the ability for him to separate from people is what makes him so good, and then, you know, combined with the hands. I think he's the most important player on the Eagles besides Carson Wentz. I've seen, look, I do. At least on the offense, at least on the offensive side, maybe. On the defensive side, there may be a, a, a few other players that are a little more important, but on the offensive side, at least for right now, for, for week one, that's what it is. Right, it's hard to argue with the uh, week one performances there, but but another game that I'd like to touch on really quick was the duel that happened in New Orleans between the Saints and the Texans that's on Monday the, that's, night. That's the best Monday night game I've seen in a minute, and it's definitely the best season-starting Monday night game so I of, have of a, my lifetime. I have a tiff with... Uh, a tiff? I have a tiff. She has a tiff. I do have a tiff. I have a little bit of What's a tiff, tiff with a doubleheader Monday night game. Like a problem. Game. They do it all. They do it I, almost every week. Well, time out. For someone who has such an extensive vocabulary, I'm surprised that you didn't know what tiff was. Not tiff. I didn't know. Not that I didn't know what it meant. It's Granted, okay, I probably couldn't it. give you the. He was jealous that I knew words. That yeah, he no, did no, it. I, I think that's what it was. I think I, that's what it was. I couldn't give you the definition, but I could probably give you the gist of what it meant. But I would try to make up for it with a gist. Don't make this a battle, But I agree with you, though. I do. I just. I think. I think it's it would be interesting to see the ratings versus that first game that was miraculous versus the the next game. And following it may, it. The second game may have benefited from the miraculous first game because I think like if you after watching that first game, I know for me I was planning on going to bed after the Bro, first game. Bro, who the hell's staying up for that game? But right. after the such a good first game, it's like oh, oh I've, I've your yeah. energy yeah. is the like West, the West Coast is who it's there for, but everyone on the East Coast is not going to stay up for it. But it's almost <laughs> the guys who are Raiders. Fans. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> like after watching a miraculous first game, it's like oh, I got my football adrenaline pumping. No, I want to see more, especially the way that it ended if you were watching I turned the game on late James you and I were uh, at Trust the Process live on Mm -hmm. Monday so I got home a little late Flipped the game on and got to see what was a phenomenal ending to that I game. I literally turned the game on in the Texans' last drive. So I do want to note that it is very... I'll give props to ESPN for shifting the way they were uh, showing and being adaptable to the uh, the, the, the flag. The, yeah. the down, down marker. Because yeah. usually they, they wouldn't change that right in the middle no, of the game, real time. and they did. Real time. See, that's why those people... I've, I've worked in that environment before. I work with the football team at Penn. You work in football. Like, you see the work that those people put in and that's why those people get paid the top bucks like like we're watching like there's professionals on the field there's also the professionals of our industry behind the camera and behind the scenes that's like where where you hear kill kill and aaron Rodgers is pointing out defenses and making switches on the fly like that's impressive for someone who might not be in like the production field but uh Okay, well, here, here's Michael. Going back to the actual game, I'm sure everyone's listening is like they've talked enough about stuff that's not football. Going back to the game, did even though they lost, did that game, did that last drive prove that Deshaun Watson is top tier? Yes, and and to me, this was going, and I tweeted this, is that this was a huge measuring stick game, and especially that drive coming back out, having to win the game, or so you would think, for his team on that drive. And then it wasn't even like, 
uh, tough for him. He cut it down in two plays. Um, bing, bing. Right, right to Hopkins and then right down the field to Stills. I don't know what the Saints were doing. These two defensive coordinators, they had equally bad but equally different game plans on their two last drives. The Saints tried to blitz Deshaun Watson, which Deshaun Watson was sacked six times that game, um, which is the most in by any quarterback in week one. So he, he was definitely getting taken down. But in that situation... I think you need to try and elongate that drive. They're putting pressure, and he gets the ball out to easy receptions to his two guys. Yeah, what do you I... think the turning point was in this game? Because there's so many little things that what if that didn't happen, what could have resulted out of it? That's a good point. I mean... I think it's the long throw to Tech well, my... in before the two-minute two, two minute mark. Yeah, yeah. I think that was, like, the deciding factor. Of or like the rest or of how the about what if they don't call the roughing the kicker penalty after Houston scores? Which probably shouldn't have been a roughing right. the kicker penalty. Fair, like, Fairbairn misses the extra point, by a which mile. kept by a the mile. game tied. And it's funny because the rule is it was a roughing the kicker penalty because his, his foot already hit the ground and then he got hit. But then my argument is if his foot had already hit the ground then him getting hit didn't affect the kick at all. The right, kick the was kick was already done up. and over with. Yeah. He got hit, the kick had already hit the net when it was done and over with. So, and then they got to redo it and got to put it back up, which gave him a one-point lead. Um, so, but I mean, it, the, the Saints still went down and won it even with that. Play. Right, and, and that credit to Drew Brees, man. He is phenomenal. And we'll talk about him in just a second. But you talked about the defensive scheme that the the Saints put in on Deshaun Watson's last drive. I'm, I might have to disagree with you a little bit because of the fact that they were getting so much pressure on him uh, throughout the game, sacked six times. They had him. They had his back wincing. Um, they had him on the back ropes, and I think they wanted to keep their defense aggressive. Like you know, if they, if they play the the laid back, lazy fair defense, and you give Deshaun Watson all the time in the world back there. Granted, they didn't have all the time to work with in the game, but if you give Deshaun Watson four, five, six seconds to throw the football, he's one of the most dynamic quarterbacks in the league. He probably makes something happen. Right, but he can even even if you do flush him out of the pocket, like he can use his feet too. That guy can run. And on top of that, when yeah, you look but at they, his, they were picking on they were picking on not PJ Williams. They're, well, they were picking on both Williams. They're picking on Marcus Williams and PJ Williams you, all game. When you look at who those guys have to guard. But when you talk about the Williams is, uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is running around out there in man coverage when you're blitzing most of the time. They still did have the, the last third of Sean Watson. There, were two, there still were two defenders on him. <laughs> the third of DeAndre Hopkins was uh, the catch by DeAndre Hopkins was phenomenal. It was perfect. It was perfect on both ends. He is ridiculous. That guy probably is the best hands I've ever seen. Yeah. Top three. Sad DeAndre Hopkins day before the game uh, put on the locker. He named his season goals and he said 2,000 yards, uh, NFL record for TDs in a year and zero drops. The zero drops was failed on the first <laughs> on the first drive. He dropped the pass on the first oh, drive, man. which is like, damn. Well, he hadn't dropped the pass. I don't think he dropped the pass last year or maybe even the year before that. But, like, I mean. That, that was the football god saying, like, you're going to have a good right. year, but humble yourself it's a an, little bit. It's an aberration yeah, there. but It's Murphy's Law. If, um, he didn't, if he didn't put the zero drops, he probably wouldn't have dropped the ball. I, I think the, the Texans defensive coordinator should be ashamed because. Romeo Cornell, man. That's Cornell, should, I mean, they play that Jim Schwartz soft coverage that we were just talking about. Like, Against Case Keenum, you probably shouldn't do it. Against Drew Brees, you really shouldn't do it. And it's not like I, I agree with it if Drew Brees has to go down and put the ball in the end zone if right, he has to right. score. All he needed to do was get to wherever they got to, the 40-yard line. It's not they need to go all that the way was, down That the was field. a great kick by their kicker, Lutz, too, like a 58-yard bomb. Yeah, who, and he missed a kick earlier in the game, didn't he? Yeah, so, so long when he missed that. Yeah, right. I mean, true, but uh, to even pull yourself back after missing a long field goal and having to go take one again, I mean, that shows the... Yeah, that's, that's like win or lose, it's yeah, all him, like either Jesus. way. And, I mean, he, he said in his post-game presser there wasn't a kick I was going to turn down, which 
I mean, I don't think that's your choice. Like, you're yeah, not going to... Yeah, I don't gonna... really think you have an option there, buddy. Roll, roll out there, Will. Nah, Coach, not I don't want to do it. Not this one. I'm not feeling this one. So, like, I don't think that was his option, but they, that's an awful amount of confidence for, you know, your head coach and your offense to, to put that in your hands. And, and, and Breeze's performance had me thinking, too, and I saw this on the internet. Is Breeze the non-Tom Brady GOAT, like, the second best player of all time, essentially? Second best player or second best well, quarterback? It's one and the same. Second You're best player. Yeah, that's fine. Second best quarterback. Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice is the second best player. Jerry I have Rice a theory about Jerry Rice. Okay, uh, we'll get to that on uh, at the buzzer. Oh God, please no more of your little conspiracy. So what, is he? Is he not? Yeah, I, I guess that's a no from you then. That's uh, a no. That's a no. What I do think is he's for some reason he gets left out of, and it's more to your point. He gets left out of the top five. Uh, you know, all-time great quarterbacks uh, for some reason. I think people don't... I think people have a, a tendency to leave out new-age quarterbacks because, well, they throw the ball so much, their numbers are inflated. Granted, that is true, but numbers still don't lie. And if you break down Breeze's numbers, he is a top-five quarterback of all time. So I think he, he should be thrown into that category. I'm going to refrain from saying he's the second-best quarterback of all time. I still think that belongs to Peyton Manning. But I think Drew Breeze is... is in the quickly, yeah, yeah, quickly coming up the rearview mirror. To right, that. the argument's very valid. Yeah, it, it should be. Um, he's uh, stat map puts he's solidly fourth behind uh, Manning, Brady, and Montana uh, for for these reasons. Manning has seven first team All Pros, five MVPs, two Super Bowls. Brady three first team All Pros, three MVPs, six Super Bowls. Montana three first team All Pros. Two MVPs, four Super Bowls. Breeze, one first-team All-Pro, no MVPs, one Super Bowl. So he's clearly a tier under, you know, these, you know, these these quarterbacks. Um, the Super Bowls are, are you know, that's a, that's a team accolade. But I will agree with the first-team All-Pros and the MVPs has something to do with it. But if you're going to break it down between, um, you know, r- regular season passing yards, Breeze is right up there with the best of them. He's regular definitely been the touchdowns. most consistent, I think. Don't you think? Like, he out hasn't, of a lot yeah. of them? He hasn't, he hasn't wavered, wavered, man. He hasn't wavered at all. all. I think he's a little more consistent than Man- Manning's, like, the end of his career tailed off crazy. And, 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 and here's what is impressive to me is if you remember, I'm pretty sure it was his shoulder that he had injured pretty bad in San Diego, which is a big reason why they drafted Philip. well, technically they drafted Eli Manning, but the big reason that they got <laughs> Philip Rivers to replace him is because of that shoulder. He battled through it, and he's been the best quarterback that you could ask for from the Saints if, if you're looking at his entire tenure there. Um, the only thing that concerns me watching that game is the Texans' total mismanagement of the talent they're putting around Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Um, I don't really want to dwell too long on this because we already talked about how often he's sacked, but... There is a potential Andrew Luck situation. Now we're going to throw it around all the time. But really, when you look at Luck, there was no offensive line help around him until the very end. And I'm sorry to tell you, Houston, Laramie Tunsil is not, that is not the fix. That's not, that's not what's going to do it. Um, so, yeah, and it's, it's hard because I never want to speculate injury. I never want to anticipate injury. But for a quarterback who got sacked more than any other quarterback last year, who got sacked more than any quarterback in week one, who was clearly seeing signs of that, had to go to the medical tent twice. You really got to you know, make sure you're protecting your biggest asset. One of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, Deshaun Watson, if you don't do that, there's no telling how short his career could get cut. Right, and this is something that a GM would usually handle, but the Texans <laughs> don't have a GM. So who knows who is answering the calls uh, for the Texans. That's amazing. How do you have a sports franchise without a GM? How do you do that? How do you do that? 
<laughs> like how, how I'm not you, sure. How do you operate a sports franchise with no general Poorly manager? From, from the player personnel standpoint, from the game operation standpoint, to the money, to like that's what a general manager does. He generally manages the team. So like, how, how do you do that? Like, what yeah, the, who does that? Very poorly is that, how you do it. That's awful. Um, so moving on, right before uh, we head into our newest segment, I want to look at what the rookies did. This week, and let me tell you, he wants to slobber over TJ. Let me just start it off. The Hawk. That's right, baby. (laughs) He is the best tight end from this draft. Could end up being the best tight end ever by next year. He had the most yards by a tight end. That's what I'm saying. No, no, I am like a rabid dog. I love TJ Hawkins. Your veins are like popping out. He is awesome. Like he, like you, legit got a chubby for him. Watch it. He is every plus. It's a perfect name. And then when you watch him play, like he's a vicious blocker, a phenomenal route runner, physical, great hands, and he, he has speed. He did play the Cardinals. He played uh, the Cardinals. I think, he, anyways, he did. He did look. <laughs> let me. Right, I'll, I'll hop off. He did look pretty good, though. That's all. I'll he say. did look good. He did look really good. On the other side, the quarterback for the Cardinals and the head coach for the Cardinals. Shaky baby, shaky, yeah, shaky. Towards the end, they shaped up though. They that's the Lions. The that's the Lions flopping. At uh, the it was end. gross. Like that is gross mis- mismanagement. Oh, and it's way. bad right. because Matt Patricia is a formerly defensive coordinator of the New England Patriots of a crazy regime, and the way he mishandled that the end of that game was really bad. Almost and letting there, the Cardinals back play into it in the overtime period. That game ended in a tie. There was a play in the overtime period where. Uh, I believe it was Edelman who caught a ball alone, alone on the right side of the field. Amendola? Excuse me, Amendola. Yeah. They're all the same to me. Right. <laughs> um, alone, though. And instead, he goes to run out of bounds, and then he cuts it up and gets tackled in bounds when they needed to stop the clock. Like, from a Patriot coach and a former Patriot player, I did not expect to see that. It's like, it's like once you leave... The Patriots, it's like, oh, your football now. Your powers, goes out your powers yeah. are taken away. Yeah. For real. Uh, going back to Kyler Murray, in the fourth quarter, Kyler Murray, 20 of 29 passings, 68% completion percentage for 238, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. It's a 116.7 passer rating in the fourth quarter alone. That speaks to the fact of how they were able to turn it around in the fourth, but still, Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury struggled for the first three quarters. And, I mean, I, I think it's going to point to the, they're going to have a rough go at it. For the first year, I don't. I don't think Cliff was really prepared uh, to bring that you know college air raid style of offense into the NFL. I don't think he has all his loose ends tied yeah, up. Yeah, it's tough too because they don't necessarily have the talent to do it. I think ultimately they'll be all right, but it it was pretty rough. It was. It was. Um, how about we go back to go to my man's Josh? Before we do that, Statman updating us the first three quarters. Kyler Murray nine for 25, 70 yards and an right, interception. Shaky baby as hell. Shaky baby as hell. Um, let's move on to my favorite rookie uh, of this draft class. One of my favorite rookies of this draft draft class, Josh Jacobs of the Raiders, who I think performed above most expectations uh, on Monday night against the Broncos. Yeah, I, I read a stat that he was the first player since Ladanian Tomlinson to have 110 combined yards. Right. We'll and, have that in our countdown. You and jump the gun on the countdown. Di- That's okay. That's okay. Go ahead. It's true though. Oops, and two <laughs> touchdowns. But, I mean, this is a guy who, coming out of Alabama, if you followed his story, he has a very inspiring, like, he life does. story. He does. Um, he's a guy who I think is is built to make it in the NFL. He is, and he's in the right system because John Gruden is the ultimate balanced attack coach on offense. Um, Jake realizing his mistake just <laughs> now. But, but he is, he is um, a very balanced to coach, a balanced offensive attack coach. Um, 
And he's going to need it because I think Josh Jacobs needs to be put in the right situation, you know, drive after drive. And if he is, he's going to be very, very effective. Yeah, and now they're like number one receiving threat is Tyrell Williams. So they're going to need him. He popped off, though. They're, yeah, they're going to. Well, he did. He had a good game. Um, Darren Waller also is another guy, if you're a fantasy player, to look out for. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's it's the Raiders are in a very unique situation because they lose what is the one of the biggest talents in the NFL but everybody in Oakland is behind them because of how Antonio Brown was acting. Like, if you watch the Oakland Coliseum, that game, they are outpouring support. Fans were almost jumping out of the stands to hug John Gruden after that win. Yeah, and you know what? It's like something like that, actually, when many people, I think, thought that it would divide them as a team. I think it probably brought them closer together Well, when you remove a, a cancer from the locker room like that, right. then you're like, you realize you plucked a bad apple out of the bunch, then you, you're left with, you know... Exactly. That's all we got. All we need. Stupid Eagles motto. All right, guys, it's time to move on to our new segment we're debuting this week called Bullish or Bullshit. We're referencing the stock market here. When a market is trending up, it's called a bull market. So I'm going to name some trending topics, and you guys are going to tell me if you're optimistic about it or not. In other words, it's bullish or bullshit. We're going to start it off with the Ravens offense. Scored 59 points in week one. Yeah, bullish or bullish? I'm bullish about the Ravens offense. I'm like stuck in the middle because, like, while I'm bullish and. and fr- okay, we debut a new segment. <laughs> kick it off great, and Jake is I'm in the bullish. middle. No, no, no. Pessimist. I'm bullish. Yeah, I'm bullish because I, I think that Lamar Jackson showcased his ability finally to be a pocket passer. Granted, it was against the worst team maybe ever in football <laughs> assembled. Not, um, not ever. Come on now. But, well, we're going to see. But regardless, I think that his deep ball accuracy that he showcased to Hollywood uh, Brown was phenomenal. The flick of the wrist reminded me of Michael Vick, not mm-hmm. even without the running aspect, just in the way that he makes it look so effortless. It was amazing. John Harbaugh said they were going to revolutionize um, offense in the NFL. I think he meant with rushing, but this still is a good way to start. Um, but, but, like, why I'm so optimistic about Lamar Jackson, he is Michael, very Michael Vick-ish, but young Michael Vick looked for any and every opportunity to run the football, and Lamar Jackson stands in the pocket and throws first. Granted, yes, you're right. Take it with a grain of salt because it's such a bad defense that he was able to, like, use the whole offense and use the whole field. But it's great that he's not so readily, like, you know, not so much in a hurry to just run the football for yards. He's willing to throw the ball. Mix in a great balance attack with Mark Ingram, who was literally shedding people off of him. I'm just very optimistic about the Ravens' offense. So, yeah, that looks really good. By the way, we mentioned Hollywood Brown, 12 snaps, four catches, 147 yards, two touchdowns. You think he gets a little more snaps next uh, week? Probably gets more than 12 snaps, yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah. That's crazy. All right, guys, let's move on to the next one. Browns' playoff chances. Lost to the Titans, 43-13. to 13. Yeah. That's um, bullshit. That's bullshit. Look, it's tough because last episode, Jewel, I'm pretty sure me and you both picked the Browns to win AFC North, and then... I, 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 I don't know. Call me hyper-reactive, but after seeing what I saw in week one, the playoff chances are bullshit. Turns out they're still the Browns yeah, after all that damn. hype. <laughs> um, I, I'd say bullshit, too. I actually didn't have them in the playoffs, but I did have them going 9-7. and seven. I still think they get to 9-7, and seven, but... I just I, I can't see them sneaking into what is a pretty strong AFC. I and think they they're gonna be a happy medium as well. I I don't think they're gonna be as good as I thought they'd be. So like a wild card team. Yes. Okay. Well, that's still playoffs. So I guess you're bullish then. That's still playoffs. All right. Go ahead, bullish. It comes down to like can Freddie Kitchens really take all the talent and make them disciplined? They had 18 penalties in that game. That's a sign of just an undisciplined, not well coached team. Yep. Um. So. We're going to see they have a, right now a 20.3% chance to make the playoffs, according to Football Outsiders. That's interesting. That seems like a bullshit chance to me. <laughs> Moving on, Dak's contract value. Routed the Giants 
Go ahead. Uh, Go ahead. No. See, here's the thing. It's it's bullish because he's going to get like thirty five yeah, million. Yeah, I'm now realizing he's going to get like thirty five. And it's like, yeah, it so at my new job, I've been listening to Dallas radio for the show that I'm producing. That sucks. Sorry. And Jerry Jones has been on like three times, and every single time, Dak's contract's imminent. We're going to take care of Dak. Dak's a con- Dak's your franchise guy. And then after he puts up, after he backs it up, you're they're now penned into. They're going to have to pay him, which. Um, Carson Palmer actually came out and said something very interesting that if Dak Prescott wants to win titles, he should take like the 15th highest valued quarterback contract, like which would be like 25 mil. Why? So they can use that. So they can use it to sign other players. But but like it's Dak, it's like the last piece of the puzzle to sign. They have they have their their core on defense. At least for right now, they have their core on offense. They have some guys long term. You're gonna have to let go of Amari, Byron Jones. When you're talking about a championship window, a championship window doesn't last for unless you're the Patriots. Doesn't last for six, seven, eight years. Steelers. If you're a great team, you can make it work. I mean, remember the Cowboys of old? They won a bunch of titles in. uh, Actually, I don't know the '90s. Maybe Matt. What's your recall? Nineties, yeah. Um, But you know what? I think I'm bullish. Think yeah, I'm bullish about it too. I think Dak goes and gets the bag. Moving on, NFC Norris hierarchy. Vikings did look good. Packers and Bears did not. Would have to agree with that. Yeah, I would have to agree with it too. Um, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if we're gonna say the hierarchy is bullish or bullshit, but well, the Vikings on top. I th- I, do you believe in 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 that alignment of? Uh... No, nah, I think that's bullshit. I think that the Packers and Bears may have suffered for playing each other a little bit, playing a, a really tough And they're the first game. team to, neither, none of them played in the none preseason. None played in the preseason. Uh, I don't, I, Statman has the Vikings winning the, the NFC North. Um, I still have the Packers winning the NFC North. I still do. Uh, I had, from last week's episode, I believe I had the Vikings at 9-7. and seven. They looked really good. The ability to run the ball, I think, really blew me out of the water. Yeah. Um, I'm probably going to go bullish. I think the Vikings are going to win uh, that division, but it's up in the air. It's up in the air. We'll see. Uh, a note that the Bears did think that Mr. Bitsky would be better than both Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. They traded Yeah, they up. traded up for him when they, they didn't even the have house to. For him. They literally traded the house for him when they didn't That's have so to. That's so gross. That's disgusting. Like, that is the bullshit. mismanagement of some NFL franchises baffles me. Especially the historic ones. That's when it hurts. Like, if this was a, you know, a Texans move, you'd be like, all right. right. But like, a, <laughs> for like a Bears move, it's like, no, nah, don't take history like that. Yeah. All right, guys, we're going to shift it down to the countdown. Number five. The number of times the Texans have lost to Sean Watson's fourth quarter comeback. Uh, it only took 24 starts to do this. To put it in perspective, it took Brady 230 games uh, to lose uh, five fourth quarter comebacks. It took Deshaun Watson 24 while that's not surprising, it also doesn't seem like it should be possible. Um, Why is that not surprising? It surprises the hell out of me. I, I, in terms of Brady, that it took him that long for that to happen that many times. Yeah, but that's that's because of a defense. And Brady's right, defense. That's what I'm saying. He's had a great, a great team. Defense is right. So, yeah, that's just that sucks for Deshaun. I'm sorry. Number four. The number of quarterbacks that have had a perfect passer rating that is 158.3 in 30-plus attempts. Jared Goff. Kurt Warner, someone named uh, Ken O'Brien. Yeah, who that? And as of Sunday, Dak Prescott. That That's going to do him well. Look, here's what I tell you. Because of that, there is a slight chance his contract number per, per year starts in a four. Yeah, look, <laughs> that's true. And it's funny because earlier, uh, or I won't say earlier in the season, a couple episodes ago, me and you were sitting there laughing mm, at the fact that he me. was laughing at the fact that he was asking for 40 mil. And I was sitting here saying he needs to be paid 40 mil. Life comes at you fast. 
Number three. The number of players with 29 or more 50-plus yard touchdowns in NFL history. I think, Jewel, I think you alluded to this stat earlier. Uh, the magnificent Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, and then now as of Sunday, D-Jax, Deshaun Jackson. I mean, he's just one of the best deep threats of all time. And, and you said it earlier, Jewel, he just hasn't lost a step. Number two. The number of players, as I said earlier, to record 100 scrimmage yards and two rushing touchdowns in their NFL debut. That's LT, LaDainian Tomlinson, and Josh Jacobs. I don't think Josh Jacobs is going to be LT, as this stat seems to suggest, but I do think that Josh Jacobs can have serious fantasy relevance this year as a rookie, which can be hard to do. Yeah, I got him on my fantasy team. He won me week one. There you go. He had a good week, man. Yeah, you really took the win out of this. uh, Sorry about that. Bring it down to number one. Number one is for the number of WNBA players to reach the 50-40-90 club. For those who don't know, that's 50% from the field, 40% from three, and 90% from the free throw line. Elena Deladon being the first in the WNBA. I know no one pays attention to the WNBA, uh, so I know a lot of people don't know this, but this chick has been balling. Yo, shout out UD, man. Yeah, UD. She goes to a graduate of Delaware, reigning MVP of of the WNBA like she is hooping hooping if you had to compare her to an NBA player just in terms of her play style and obviously hear the statistics too who would you Kevin compare Durant. yep Kevin Durant. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say she is the KD of she the is, WNBA she really is the KD of the WNBA um a forward build but moves and shoots like a guard um and just has the offensive repertoire that you just you can't stop her you can only hope to contain her and teams aren't even doing that she's got the Washington Mystics rolling um look out actually for a clone of uh, Deladon coming up through the ranks. Bella Allery from Princeton. I called one of her games against Penn. This, she popping off? This girl is huge. She can dribble. She can shoot. I mean, she can do it all. Right. I feel like Jake's like scared of her. She's a little scary. <laughs> what she did to Penn was scary. I'll tell you that. That's funny. Uh, we're almost out of time, but we can get some shots about the buzzer. Julie, have anything to say at the buzzer? I do. I just think it's important to recognize what today is September yeah. 11th yeah, it's yep, been yep. 18 years since that horrific day I remember it to a T I remember what I was doing uh, my mom's best friend's husband was in the World Trade Centers on the 102nd floor I'm so sorry uh, rest in peace and um, to all the other families affected we here at Straight Facts take that very seriously we and we're proud to be an American I, I am very proud to be an American never forget yep. um, never forget that day everyone please take a moment of silence today at some point to recognize um, you know, the tragedy that was 9-11, uh, September 11, yep. 2001. Absolutely. Jake, do you have anything to say at the buzzer? Uh, I'm going to be a little bit more lighthearted, as I alluded to. Um, so it's a pretty common... First of all, you did not start this lighthearted. You're, like, coming out the gate really, like, yeah, with a lot of energy right now. Yeah. No, this is not pessimistic. This is, like, I'm woke about this. Ready? So we all know that if you're a really good wide receiver, you're psychotic. Like, there's... <laughs> Like the your sure okay. your mental stability is directly correlated to how well you can catch a football. So when you look at this, the crazier you are, the better you are at catching the football. And we all we all accept that Jerry Rice is the best receiver of all time, but he wasn't crazy. Which means it was actually his quarterbacks, and he is a system-wide receiver. That is Whoa! the only explanation. Look, Whoa! I'm just the messenger. He's just a system-wide receiver. Whoa! He's not crazy enough to be actually that good at catching the football. Whoa, okay. Matt's I'm, having a conniption over there. I don't even know what to do, what to do right now. Young was hurt. He put up the exact same number. I don't even know what to do. I don't Matt, even know what to do right I now. I can't argue with science, Matt. Okay, I don't know what to tell you guys. That was so crazy that it made me forget. But I legit had it not the buzzer and i literally cannot That's remember as crazy as saying brady would have been an eight and eight quarterback career without belichick 
At that point, at that point, that's all the time we have for this episode of Straight Facts. It was a good one and a crazy one. Uh, big ups to Greg Byrne, Kyle Sobieski, and Stat Matt Robinson behind the camera. From our partner, Joel Schmidt. It's been real, it's been fun, it's been real fun. To my insane partner, I swear he has great intentions, but he's off his rocker sometimes. My main man's Jake Galley. I am James Jackson, and these, except for that last take, have been the facts. Straight up. Straight up.